1: Hello, and welcome back to Loved As You Are, an Ignatian podcast with me, Gretchen Crowder. I'm so glad you are here. I appreciate you taking this journey with me, especially as imperfect a journey it can be when someone like me jumps right in with both feet into something new. Each week, I am learning more and more about how to edit this podcast better to provide you with a more quality listening experience. Thank you for your patience. And for tuning in again and again to hear the wisdom each of my incredible guests has to share with you. Like today's guest, Christiane Squires. Christiane Squires leads an online community for contemplative women called The Lighthouse, which provides a space for contemplative women to find a supportive community as they continue to deepen into who they are. Formerly, Christiane founded and ran a company called Bookwifery, which merged her vocation as a spiritual director with her 20 years of experience in book publishing and editorial work. She served as an SDI New Contemplative in 2013 and holds an MA in Spiritual Formation and Leadership and an MS in Entertainment Business. As a trained spiritual director and spiritual formation practitioner, one of Christiane's chief delights is helping people discern their invitations and put that discernment into action. She writes, teaches, and leads at the intersection of naming our light noticing our invitations, practicing discernment, and living the contemplative way. This conversation with Christiane was so beautiful and flowed so naturally. It was great to sit with an old friend and easily bridge the distance between Florida and Texas to have a great conversation about being loved as you are. You won't want to miss a minute. So here we go. We got on I told the audience a little bit about you Christiane and how we met which for me was initially working with you on writing and writing a book and what does that look yes. like and then it kind of morphed into being a part of this online community you have called the
0: lighthouse I
1: don't know if you want to in a couple sentences tell people what the lighthouse is sure. as yeah. we begin our conversation
0: yeah, it's kind of a combination of two things that are deeply a part of who I am. One is really caring about each individual life and how a person is being invited to continue growing into who they are, which, you know, I love your your podcast, Being Loved As You Are, meeting people where they are and what is the potential for their life. And so that's the light piece of the lighthouse. And then realizing that I can only really help people notice those things and discern those things from my own approach to spirituality, which is very contemplative in nature. And so it's lots about discernment and noticing invitations and prayer and things like that. And so the community has kind of become focused on your light, but from a contemplative posture. So we're kind of a a community of contemplative women. So yeah, that's what the lighthouse is kind of in a nutshell. (laughs)
1: It's wonderful for those of you that don't know what it is you can definitely look it up. I just enjoy so much the people that I have met through it conversations that I've had I love especially that it's housed somewhere separate from social media so that you get an opportunity to engage with people without all the other noise coming yeah. in which is, is really nice
0: it's like it's all I mean, it's called the lighthouse like A house full of light, and it is kind of—it kind of feels like you're in a little house just contained to itself (laughs) when you're there.
1: Yeah, it's such a—it's a beautiful image, and I definitely see how that is lived out in real time in the lighthouse. So, I know that that's like the crux of what you do right now is concentrating on that community, but really, um, being there and being in that space really comes from how your own spirituality and your own faith and your own understanding of belovedness, how that began. So can you tell us a little bit about that journey?
0: Yeah, well, I grew up in the Christian faith my whole life. I've never not known about Jesus and the Trinity. But I will say, and, and it's always been an important part of my life, a very intentional, deep, inner experience of my life. But I will say that it deepened and deepened even more in like between the ages of 19 and 21. And I wanted to share today uh, just the what I, what I now can look back at as it being a pivotal moment that really informs so much of what I'm doing today and the deep beliefs I have. So I'm going to tell you about a, an imaginative prayer experience I had when I was 21 years old. <laughs> so I was in a small group at the time. And I was in my first, it was, I was, I had graduated college. I was working two jobs. One was full-time as a staff editor for an international nonprofit. And the other was part-time as an adjunct faculty at kind of role that was, I was the writing director for a college honors program. So I was doing these two jobs. They were, it was really intense. And I was for the first time in my life, experiencing incredible anxiety. I had never really been aware of anxiety in my life before this, but suddenly I was in the professional world and I was crippled with it. I couldn't hardly get out of my house every day. And Sundays were like the worst. And so I was in the small group and every week I would come and I would ask them to pray for me with my anxiety. And then we started reading this book. Actually, I have it sitting next to me right now just because I was referencing it earlier. Not for this conversation, but for something else. (laughs) Anyways, It's this book. It's called Richard Foster's Celebration of Discipline. And one of the chapters was on meditation. And so the small group, and we were reading it chapter by chapter. And so we come to the gathering and he's like, I'm going to invite us into an experience of this discipline of meditation. So get comfortable, close your eyes, imagine yourself in a a safe place, a place that you experience a, a lot of safety in. So I like in my mind just randomly go to this place that I went camping as a kid with my family and there was like a brook nearby and it was a sunny day and there were trees and there was sitting on like a bench and he's like, okay, now picture Jesus with you in that scene. And so I was like, okay, so he's standing in front of me and I'm sitting on the bench and then he's, well now talk to him. And I was like, okay. So <laughs> so I just start talking to Jesus about the anxiety and telling him how crippling it is and how hard it is for me to go to work every day. And I'm doing a good job at my jobs. I'm completely capable. And it's not like anything scary was going on there. It was just a completely internal, like fear of failure or not being enough or whatever, not coming from anyone outside of me, but just my own internal stuff that I didn't know was there. So I'm talking to him about it in this prayer moment. And I look, I'm noticing he's just gazing at me and he's, he just completely understood what I was saying. He was listening as long as I wanted to talk. He was never running out of patience. At some point, he came and sat down next to me on the bench and kind of put his arm around the back of the bench. And I just felt like he had all the time in the world. I didn't have to hurry up and finish my story. He wasn't telling me not to feel what I was feeling. And I felt his immense knowing of what I was talking about. And it was this experience of... First of all, it was just powerful for me, and it became a touchstone for me to keep coming back to, and I have continued to pray with images my whole life since then with Christ. But I think what I see connected to my work now is this feeling I had of him meeting me where I was and seeing me as completely beloved. No sense of shame, no sense of like hurry up, no sense of be someone different, and I feel like that marked me forever because I feel like now in my work with people, it's very much who are you? And it's like a delight about who you are. And also in spirituality, there's no shame. There's no telling people what to be or how to be. God delights in meeting you where you are. It doesn't matter how you're feeling or who you are or what you're calling him or whatever. It's the presence of God meeting you exactly where you are and like completely loving you and knowing you there. It just has changed. It's just, it's a marker of everything that I'm about now.
1: Yeah. I really love one thing you said about Jesus always having all the time in the world for us because I know that often I feel I don't give him enough of my time. God has all the time in the world for me, but I can fit you in between, I don't know, 7.30 and 7.45 when I'm driving in my car on the way to school. So if you could just pay attention during those 15 minutes, well, you know, that's that's great. That's when I'm on. And I love the idea that, yeah, Jesus will meet me in those 15 minutes. Wishing I had more than 15 minutes, but
0: taking Mm -hmm. what time I'm willing to offer. And kind of amazing that, yeah, and kind of amazing that even when we show up in those 15 minutes, that, at least in my experience, I might come with all the the shame and the hanging of the head of like, I'm so sorry, I haven't thought of you for two days, you know, yeah. but he's just there and ready to like start wherever I am. And there's never a sense of shame. I've never experienced a sense of shame. There are times where I feel like he's talking to me about things he wants us to work on together. He's not, he's not like he's, He doesn't care about my growth or my, I don't know, health, (laughs) but it's never with shame.
1: It's also a beautiful image of not only being there whenever we're willing to show up, but also just this idea of God showing up joyfully and excited that we're there for those 15 minutes. I wonder when other people show up for me and they only have 15 minutes, do I greet them with, look, oh, this is the best 15 minutes you could have offered me, right? Do <laughs> I have so that good. same joy yeah. and attention? And I, the other thing I like about what you said was that you feel the attention that Jesus has for you and you try to give that to other people and yeah. to really see who they are and give them the time and the space to show up, I think that's really a beautiful thing that we don't always, many of us don't do well because we're so in our heads thinking about mm-hmm. our own stuff, right? And we have, you know, to put that aside and really show up and, and mm-hmm. see the people that we're around.
0: Yeah, I think it's be- it's probably. I mean, I don't know, but one when- supposition I have about it is it was such a transformative moment for me to receive that and I feel like I think I used the phrase it marked me (laughs) like I don't think I've ever described it that way before but I feel like it it was a moment that he wanted to use not just for my own good but for him to say this is something that is really important for your life to then you know live who I am in the world with others and so this is the part of himself that he put into me through that experience and so. I don't know. I just wonder if any of us might have some kind of a transformative experience and how much do those moments, whatever they are for other people, then become part of what the catalyst for what they want to, what they're being invited to do with their life. So it may not be this for, for you or for someone else, but it might be something else, you know.
1: Yeah. And I think that just comes down to how we reflect on those experiences, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's clear that it didn't just happen to you back when you were 21 years old, but that you continued to reflect on that experience and see what it means and figure out what else, what other graces you could mine from that experience.
0: Yeah. I think because it was such a different way to encounter God and then it became a practice. I kept using my imagination to meet God and what was so powerful to me about it was that not only like what I could share with my own heart, but really it, the deepest part of it was how is he responding to me when I share these, like as I'm talking, how is he being with me? But then what is his posture back to me or what words is he offering back to me? It became the place of deep discernment for me. Like when I have questions, I go there and then I ask him what he wants to say or t- tell me where to go or whatever. And I think it's such a ongoing experience of how God is with me. And so that's why it starts to become like, I experience how powerful that is for me. How can I be that way towards others? Because it's so rare to find that kind of presence, you know?
1: You had such a great experience of imaginative prayer where you could show up as you were and encounter God in that moment and and kind of figure out how God was speaking to you. I think sometimes myself included, we get intimidated by imaginative prayer because we're trying to figure mm-hmm. out what's the right way to do it. What scene should I be imagining God in instead of just sitting next to me in the car or just on this mm-hmm. bench with me? Should I be on the Sermon of the Mount or should I be in right. you know, the boat <laughs> on go? the stormy sea? Yep. And if I can't imagine myself there, then maybe I can't do
0: mm-hmm. imaginative
1: prayer. So mm-hmm. I, I appreciate your example of it because I think you know, many of us hesitate to try different ways of encountering God because we're not sure if we can do them correctly, right? Yeah. We're not sure if we can check check
0: the right boxes. And so yeah. I wonder if it's kind of like how we were saying whatever time we have to show up for God, God is super happy to meet us in that time and just go from there. I wonder if a similar posture or perspective could be offered to the images thing of like, whatever image you want to enter into god is super happy to meet us there
1: <laughs> yeah yeah so if we're on the boat and the sea is stormy but we're dressed in clothes from 2023 like we're there, <laughs> you know or like i'm a woman but i'm on the boat which wasn't right. really what was in the story it's okay we can figure that absolutely. out absolutely know, it doesn't have to yep. be exact
0: yep yeah. yeah and i i mean i find for me i mean I started with that image of sitting on that bench in that camping place with the stream. But over the years, there's been lots of different scenes. We're walking on a beach. We're standing on a cliff. We're walking through a forest. We're standing on a hill. There's so many different scenes. And often for me, it just, I close my eyes and I'm hey, open to like, want to meet him in prayer, like where? And it just comes like, it's just an image comes and I just roll with it. So it's not like even a lot of time is spent trying to conjure and like, what? What could it be? So just maybe, just opening and seeing what comes, and then just rolling with it.
1: Yeah, and clearly though, it's a it's a practice, right? The more that you have tried to encounter God in this way, the easier it's become. The less that you have to place yourself in a particular moment, yeah, to feel like you're doing it right, or that Jesus will show up in that time. Or yeah.
0: And you can go back to it. Like I'll travel with a particular place or scene for a long time, like six months. I have one. I pray with the image of Rublev's icon of the Trinity. I've been praying with that. Like, like I'm sitting at the table with them for like five years. And so (laughs) it's like, you can just keep going back to a place. If it's, if it's a place you've been before and you felt like it was a meaningful meeting place, you can go back there again.
1: Yeah, I like that image of sitting at the table with them because when we think about the Trinity, is so hard to explain uh, to ourselves, to other people, to really even yes. comprehend it because it's mystery. But yes. it's also relationship, and it's love, and it's the the purest form of a loving relationship that mm. we can can see and then try to model. So to put yourself in there as the fourth person at the table is right. a really cool image of how do I. Get that example and kind of absorb the love and the Mm -hmm. moment, and then be able to carry it out into the real life.
0: I love that. I love everything you said about that. (laughs) Like, (laughs) yes, the most pure form of love we could even imagine flowing between them, and then we get to be sitting there and like feel that flow. It's really beautiful.
1: Yeah, and it's it's kind of amazing because when we think about how complex the Trinity is, my. My kids were trying to understand it the other day, and I'm like, "Please don't ask me. I don't. I don't know how to teach an eight-year-old about the Trinity, but I can say that it's like a relationship. But instead of just talking to Jesus or just praying to the Holy mm. Spirit for guidance, or just, okay, now God, you're the person that I'm. I'm talking to now to consider all of the same mm. time. Uh. It's just really an interesting way to encounter relationship because you know, to understand your belovedness, it has to
0: flow from one person to another person. Mm. So yeah, and it makes me think about, I hadn't really thought about it this way before until you were saying that about like, more than one person. It's like you get to be surrounded by multiple people who love you. And you know, the one on one with Jesus is pretty freaking powerful for me but to then also have the Holy Spirit sending me love and God the Father sending me love and it's the perspectives that they each can offer too I mean it's just, it's limited I mean I know like even our imagination everything that we say our words our images our thoughts it's all our feelings they're all limited when we talk about God but to the extent that we are given the grace to connect with the different persons of the Trinity Godhead it is kind of powerful to think about like three people <laughs> three beings in one offering 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 something to us at the same time.
1: Well, and maybe it then gives us the ability to know that we are capable of being loved by more than one human being as well. well I right.
0: So yeah, I you don't that.
1: have to imagine that there's only one person or only your family can love you or only people you've known your whole life or, you know, how can you be loved by a variety of people that are a part of your life?
0: Yeah.
1: It's good. So you Use this moment, but many moments along your journey of recognizing your own belovedness. How does that translate into kind of how you choose to show up in the world? That you understand that you are beloved by God by these really powerful prayer encounters. And then clearly you've chosen to not just engage the world using all of the wonderful business skills and editing skills that you have, but you've really chosen to engage in the world in a spiritual manner as well, Mm -hmm. right? Using your spirituality, Mm -hmm. using your faith, and then not in a way that is only one way of looking at faith. You really are trying to Mm -hmm. see all the different ways that people encounter spirituality. How do you think those two things link together? How your personal spirituality informs how you engage or try to encounter other people's spirituality in your life?
0: Oh, that's a really good question. So I'm like, hmm. So I think... (laughs) I think one part of it, what is still connected to feeling, I really feel like the way I experienced Jesus in that first moment was complete acceptance. And so that really has impacted my ability or the way that I think about other people and not just not just who they are as a person, but even their faith, like complete acceptance that God would would be that way toward all of us. So that really blew the the roof off of, of my understanding of faith and stuff. But then I think this the second piece for me was when I began my training in spiritual direction, which was in 2008. I did a three-year training certificate in that. And One of the first things that we explored and learned about together was when you're sitting with someone and they come into the room for spiritual direction, you, again, it's that, it's that modeling of that same experience I had with Christ, which is like, you meet a person where they are in their spirituality. People come into the spiritual direction from all kinds of places. There can be church hurt, there can be God hurt, there could be parent hurt (laughs) that, that all affect our images of God and our openness to religion and faith and spirit and all of that. and God. And so the spiritual direction room is a place of complete safety and to just meet someone and whatever they're going to bring and try to see where is where is God for them and what have been their spiritual experiences that felt like they were touching spirit in some way and to like, just go with that. And so it just really, again, blew the roof off of my previous grounding in the Christian faith, which was very, very evangelical of like, there's only one way to God and it's through Jesus. And you have to like have correct theology and not that there's anything wrong with any of that, but it's just, I don't know, there's something about the dignity of each person's experience, really giving them safety to be seen and to speak the truth. And just this experience I have of God being someone who meets us, however we come. And so, and whatever we can imagine God to be. And so just allowing those experiences to be real and to let that inform how I work with someone. So I don't know if I'm answering your question, but I felt like that was another piece along the path of really informing how how I do my work and how I seek to live in regard for other people.
1: Yeah, I really love bringing up the phrase, meeting people where they're at. St. Ignatius would always talk when he was training his Men And then, of course, we 500 years later, many of us are are still kind of being trained in the same way that when you are working with a person, you you get to know that person first, you meet them where they Mm -hmm. are, you enter through their door. And then the hope is both of you kind of move forward, right? The goal is always to move forward, but you enter through that person's door and that person's experience. And I think it was pretty messy when the first Jesuit missionaries went out because they were trying to figure out how do we talk to people about Christ and God and, and evangelize? And they realized that unless they learn the culture of the town, unless they learned the you know personalities of the people around them, the traditions, the way that they encountered God, First, they were never going to be able to have that conversation about mm-hmm. Christ.
0: Mm-hmm. They
1: had to, they couldn't just jump in and say, okay, now you come learn my truth. Instead, mm-hmm. it was, let's get to know each other. and uh, Let yeah. me get to know you. And then let's be able to have those really difficult sometimes, but also really powerful conversations that help us understand each other and help us move forward in our faith. Even if you never come, you know, over to my side or I never come over to your side, we we kind of grow closer to God, which is which
0: is the goal, right? Yeah. It's not coercive. I think that's mm-hmm. that's what I'm noticing is at least I've never experienced God to be coercive. If if I did, it was it was probably more rooted in experiences I had here on earth. <laughs> that I was given an impression of God that way. But yeah, I just, I love that. Again, I come back to the word dignity. It's which is my deepest value Mm -hmm. in life and you know the dignity of other people and their experience and their perspective. And in a dialogue, we really respect where each person is coming from. And that's kind of the heart of what I hear you saying. Gosh, we can learn
1: so much from other people if we allow ourselves to encounter them and meet them where they're at, but also just to like, see them as beloved by God as they are. So if we believe God loves us and we love God, and then we can turn around and look at someone and say, okay, God loves you too, exactly as you are. So I want to get to know who you are because I want to know this beauty that God sees in you. It just feels like so much can change if we take that posture Mm. with one another, which is Incredibly difficult as a human being, right? Because we're flawed and we take our own insecurities and then we dump them on how we look at other people. (laughs) But I constantly find myself reflecting on this idea. If God loves me as I am, how does that mean I should look at other people and how should I encounter the people?
0: And I love what you said about just discovering the beauty that they are, because I feel like there's like curiosity in that. And to me, that connects to the light piece about, you know, from the lighthouse is each person is so different. They have have this prism inside of them of different aspects and facets that are unique, a unique configuration for them. And so the curiosity piece is like, well, I want to know what's in there <laughs> what is making up who you are and as i get to know these little these different facets it's how can i help but fall in love with the person that that is you know and yeah the beauty that they are
1: well and recognizing our own belovedness helps us stop being jealous of what somebody else mm, is i know that so i know true. that happened to me for all of my high school college maybe even adult young adult life was, I see what you are and I am so jealous of that. And I wonder why God made you that way and then made me Someone different, and why? Why couldn't God make me you? And so, understanding our own belovedness helps us to see and celebrate who a person is, without wanting to grab yes. the gifts and talents they had and say, "No, no, no, I want those." <laughs> so,
0: yes, what you're saying about our own belovedness reminds me of an experience I had. So, I had had this powerful prayer experiences experience with Jesus, but I was still experiencing immense anxiety for years. And mm-hmm. but in the process of that encounter, I started kind of a seven year journey of deepening into my sense of belovedness with Christ. And there was this moment I had driving down the five freeway in Southern California. I was working at a university at the time and I was driving home from an event, which I had felt like crippled by anxiety the entire time. And I was like, ah, the whole time I'm driving home, I'm like crying out to God. I hate this, you know? And I don't know what it means to really, don't know what it means to be beloved. And I just, all of a sudden, I started spinning through like all the specificities of me. I love sushi. I hate spiders. I, you know, like, all these like little random pieces. And then just to allow myself to think, what if you actually love all those specifics of who I am? And it was the beginning of me starting to like trust my belovedness because of these really silly specific things about myself. And so I'm just going to share that story in case it's helpful for anyone else that wrestles with belovedness as like maybe a place to start. Yeah,
1: I think that is interesting to think about all of the little things that some people in your life will find really lovely and others will be super irritated by them. (laughs) just Just to see that God Or to imagine that God is one of those people that finds that super endearing. I am very neat and organized when it comes to work. And I'm very neat and organized in whatever office space I am. And I am not very neat and organized when it comes to my home life. Like it's very difficult for me and I, I work at it a lot. And so I feel always that mm. overwhelming sense of not being good enough at home mm-hmm. because my my house is a mess, but then better at work because it looks like, you know, I got everything together there. Yeah. So to just see that God, I don't know, just loves that I'm trying or at least loves that the parts of me that need to be organized are and really even that God maybe can enter my house and not yeah. Care about yeah. that, like totally. can see can see it because I I don't want to imagine that God doesn't see that part of me, but just doesn't care. Yeah, and it's just um, it doesn't yeah.
0: diminish God's regard for you to walk into your house and see it messy. Doesn't even phase him. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Though I also hope God sees me when I'm working really hard to clean it up every week too. You know, <laughs> look at all this effort I'm putting in. <laughs> Yes,
0: I yeah, I mean God sees God sees it all. Right? Mm-hmm.
1: Is there anything that you find challenging in terms of reminding yourself of your own belovedness or even helping other people with theirs in the day and time that we find ourselves in? Are there things that kind of get in the way or, or challenge you? Those human things that enter you, which you mentioned earlier, God is not putting these things on us. We, mm-hmm. we as human beings are putting our these mm-hmm. things on ourselves.
0: I think one of one of the areas that's hardest for me is I have some mental health challenges. I um, I take an antidepressant that helps me with both depression and anxiety, which is fitting for this conversation because I just was sharing about the anxiety. I mean, so it's been a long time that I've continued to have to be on medication and. There's just times where my body chemistry will dip. It's like a cycle. <laughs> and I have to kind of increase my meds during that time when that's happening. And I just, it's really hard. When when that is happening, it's my brain is not a fun place to walk around in. It's not a good neighborhood. You don't want to hang out there. Because it's just, I start to become really hopeless. I think thoughts, you know, I just feel like the things that I'm doing are futile. Doesn't matter. Like, who cares? You know, it's just... It's And it will just kind of linger for like two to three days. And so that is a period of time that happens pretty much monthly right now that I really struggle to believe in my own belovedness or worth. And even though I know that it's a pattern, it's a cycle, it's completely this, this whole thing that I have going on in my body with my hormones and my chemistry, brain chemistry, when it's happening. I cannot talk myself out of believing that it's true. <laughs> you know, it's just like, oh yeah, it's going to pass in like two days, but it doesn't feel like it will pass. It feels like it will be forever. Even though I can tell myself, no, this happens every month. You know, you know this, it doesn't matter. It feels like it's the the hardest place to, to, to really see any light. So.
1: So what, what I hear you saying and I think is so important is that when we're trying to recognize our own belovedness, first that God loves us and then that other people love us, that it's not just a spiritual journey, that it's mm-hmm. a uh, emotional journey, it's mm-hmm. a mental journey, it's a physical yeah. journey and that mm-hmm. we need to pay attention to all parts of ourselves mm-hmm. because sometimes we can get caught up in if we just trust God, That's all we need because God is all powerful and God can make things happen. And we just need to have that trust and faith. But we need to have that trust and faith in God, too, that God created wonderful human beings who are intelligent and have studied how the mind works and how the brain works and have studied how relationships work. And so we need to also be willing to engage with a therapist if we need to or a psychologist if we need to and mm-hmm. or take medicine if we need to because all of these things are are a big part of yeah. just being a human being nothing is really separate from one another and god is in all of those things right yeah. i have to take a lot of medicines now uh, because mm-hmm. of addison's disease that i can't just not take because then i would not be speaking to you right now but i trust in that all the doctors that have studied this, I also have to trust in my own assessment of my body and my physical state, what I'm capable of, um, as well as what I need to do in order to be capable of more. And I can't just put that aside and only work on my spiritual health. Right? I have to work on on that yeah. physical health, spiritual health, whole person um, at mm-hmm. the same time.
0: Yeah. yeah, I appreciate the way you drew that out. I hadn't. I don't think I would have thought about it in that way. That it's not just spiritual. It's whole person, whole body. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it connects to spirituality because if God created each one of us with a real, real intention and purpose. And so we have to really look for the abilities that each person has to help us be that whole person. And that, you know, we have to kind of trust that we can't do it alone. Like we have to work with other human beings who have expertise we don't have. So,
0: yeah. Yeah, well, the other thing that what you were saying about not just it, not just being spiritual, but also, you know, connecting with other people and getting help and all that, it made me think of, you know, another response to your question about places where I struggle is encountering God in those places of prayer that have been so powerful and so healing and so transformative for me. It's like God became my safest place. But what was less safe for me was relationship because relationship is where wounds happen, you know, and the historical things have happened. And so trying to figure out how to bridge that where it's like I found that I could go to God and feel safe, but then I would go to relationships and I would feel less safe in my belovedness. And I think that's another reason why it's so important to me to accord other people dignity and to also really practice presence and seeing because I know what it's like to be missed. I know what it's like mm-hmm. to not be seen. And so that's another reason why I think passing on to others what I receive from God is is so important to me because I know it's it's in the world of other human beings that we often feel you know we we have those places where we're missed and so yeah I think that's another way that I still today work with trusting in my belovedness and other people's belovedness too.
1: Yeah, I find that I often try to remind myself that my foundation needs to be my relationship with God. But that a building isn't complete simply
0: Mm. by its
1: foundation, Mm. right? You have to build up from that. And so all these human relationships are, you know, the rest of the house, the rest of the building, the rest of the thing that I dwell in, but my foundation remains God. So that's a really important piece that's a thread through all of it, but I can't ignore all the other pieces to like that house, that home that I live in. so good.
0: Yeah. Thanks for that image. That image, you know, because like care about images. <laughs> yes.
1: yes, I know. I know you do. And I, I really appreciate all the different images that you bring to, to spirituality and to conversations within the lighthouse to to mm-hmm. give people the context. I can really see that that imaginative prayer that you do really feeds into how you can mm-hmm. um, explain that to other people and give people kind of a way to imagine spirituality, which is very like abstract in, in mm-hmm. some concrete human terms and human images.
0: Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I really enjoy it. It's so rich. There's so much you can do with an image. So like you were just saying about the foundation and then building on it, it's like, oh my gosh, there's so much you could play with with that when it comes to relationships and human life. Like, so. yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. What is your current kind of way of encountering God or reminding mm-hmm. yourself of your belovedness, because you have definitely have this way of imaginative prayer that you honed from very early on. And I don't know if that's still how you try to pray or encounter God or engage in spirituality, or if there are other practices that you've brought in that kind of help you remember your belovedness and keep up this Mm -hmm. conversation and encounter with God.
0: Yeah, thanks for that question. Uh, imaginative prayer is still the primary way that I pray, and it's also the primary way that I discern. But when you ask if there's like any anything else current, like what my mind is going to right now is something that feels very new, and it is learning to befriend the natural world. And that's I was I was always a kid who wanted to stay inside and read my books in the corner. So that was why it was so interesting to me that when I had to go to my safe place in that first prayer exercise, I went to a place where I'd gone camping as a kid because I did not enjoy camping as a kid. Yes. <laughs> I was yes. like, oh, I have to go outside. I have to sleep in a tent and that we have to make our food over the fire pit. Like, no. So I'm just an indoor person. I'm a homebody. And so it's been kind of the last six years or so I've just been having some experiences where I'm out in the natural world and I'm just in these moments I'm experiencing a sense of connection to all of the beauty all of the living beings the trees like yeah the sky and knowing that God is with and in all of this and there's a feeling of wholeness and it's been very new. I, I mean, right now, one of my practices is walking to the mailbox, which is 10 minutes from our house. And if I just get outside and walk to the mailbox and walk back, <laughs> I got outside for the day. And it's like, I'm, I love to look up at the clouds for the day. Like, what does the sky look like today? And, and if I pass someone on the street and it's like smiling. And, and there's so there's just a sense of like connecting Beyond, well, and it's interesting because it, it kind of connects to what I was saying about it's not just me and God, but there's a sense of connection to other people and other beings mm-hmm. and other natural beauty, and like I said, a sense of broadening and wholeness that's coming. And so, just just letting that be like a small little opening that I'm letting continue grow.
1: <laughs> it's so interesting you mentioned that because we are entering already, and it's only May period of hot hot humidity outside. It was 99 when I got in my oh. car yesterday oh. and right. it, was, it wasn't it was raining. It was just hot and humid outside. And that is, you know, starting now until September, I don't want to go outside. Yeah. Like <laughs> there's not a time of day, but I do always feel better when I go outside and let the sunlight hit me. Cause of course you're supposed to, it's one of the vitamins that you need is from the sun. But, and, and when I go out and I, I see other human beings outside, I see animals outside, I see birds flying, Uh, but it's so much an effort for me to make it, but I think it's such an important effort. I quote Mary Oliver poetry a lot, and it's so funny because she is very much, or was very much, someone that was in touch with the environment and... Animals, and I find sometimes that the parts I quote have nothing to do with the outside. Like I go to I the that. part of the that really touches my heart, but it doesn't have anything to do with being outside. Yeah. Uh, so I I recognize that struggle. That is like so important to, and I think my kids are also like me, where they you know kind of enjoy being inside too. So uh, as a family, I think we need to make an effort <laughs> to be out in nature more. So I appreciate that. I appreciate you bringing that up because it is like. It's a simple walk for ten minutes or whatever, and it it can change your perspective and your day yeah. and your
0: mood. It does. Mm-hmm. And
1: sometimes it's really hard to see the beauty of creation locked inside or on a screen. Yep. Much easier when you go outside and you see mm-hmm. things just happening without you actually having a, yeah. a hand in it.
0: Oh yeah, I love that that perspective on it. Yeah, the, the things just that's what I like there's a whole world out here that's happening mm-hmm. while well, I walked away in my house and I'm, I have no awareness of it. And yet it's just all continuing to go on, you know, and there's some kind of freedom in that too, that I find that I'm not, I didn't yeah. have, I didn't have to do anything about it. You know?
1: Right. I was going to say, I appreciate it. I guess my sons were studying the moon cycles at some point in school a few weeks ago And I like never noticed the moon when I'm going to school, but it was being pointed out to me every single day uh, Mm -hmm. on the way to school. I was like, okay, well, I'm now looking up and seeing Mm -hmm. the beauty of the moon. Normally, I'm just seeing how the sun is glaring in my eyes as I'm trying to drive and (laughs) thinking, oh, this is not good timing. But, um, you know, just being able to see even the beauty of uh, the dark passing away and the light coming up is, is a really important thing that we should probably take more notice of.
0: <laughs> yeah. 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 So I've been thinking about it as befriending the outdoors because <laughs> it's like we're in the, we're in a process of relationship here.
1: <laughs> and then a bee stings you and you're done. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> befriending. I hope that doesn't happen. No. Well, mm-hmm. is there any other last thoughts on this idea of being loved as you mm-hmm. are Mm. and our belovedness not only from God but from other people as well
0: I think maybe just that I think you mentioned earlier you in one of your questions you were asking about like the time in which we live I just think that the climate of engagement with one another at this time is very it feels very much like trying to put people into one box or another to make them be acceptable and it's I think it it feels like for me, just in my own experience, like I'm constantly on guard of like, am I doing the right thing? Am I going to be seen as doing the right thing to this person or that person? And it takes a lot of work to just like come back to center and trust that I am beloved as I am by God by others, by myself, whatever, and that I don't have to keep trying to be put into boxes. And actually those boxes are what's killing us. And so, Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I think just naming the reality of our time with, you know, social media and cancel culture and cable news, uh, you know, whatever media, all of that stuff is just making it really hard for us to thrive as beloved beings. And um, just to just the awareness of that as we seek to live another way.
1: Yeah, I think it was really important for me in the last, I don't know how many years I've been thinking about this idea of being loved to add the words as you are. I add them initially because I make a lot of mistakes and I mess up a lot. And I feel like I'm constantly trying to figure out how how to improve, how to grow. I, my best quality is being open to growth, but that means that I fail a lot. That mm. just kind of goes hand in hand. So Understanding not only that we're loved, because I think we all get that, and I think we all get that love is present for each one of us, but that that love doesn't have strings attached, Mm. that that love means that you're loved even when you, when it's messy, even when you make a mistake, that you're still loved, that you do actually have to do work to repair the mistake, but you never stopped being loved in that moment. Mm. And in Ignatian spirituality, and I know you're familiar with it, obviously, but the uh, in the spiritual exercises, I love that the first week uh, of the retreat that Ignatius offers is all about understanding your belovedness, but he doesn't just say you're loved, it's you're a loved sinner, and that you're loved even in that moments of sin and those moments of Um, choosing the wrong thing and in those moments of not being your best to other people, that that loved part never leaves Mm. the center part and that the loved part comes first. It's Mm -hmm. not that the center part came first. Um, So I think, yeah, in today's world, we, I think we recognize that love is important. It's just trying to recognize to love each person as they are is the hardest part, right? Mm -hmm. I think we all Mm. Are trying that in different ways, but the more we can hear that message and the more that we can try to internalize it and share it, the better.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amen to that.
1: <laughs> well, thank you so much, Christiane, for coming on and talking with me today. Do you <laughs> want to tell our listeners how to reach you? I know you have social media accounts that you post at regularly. How can people find yeah. you?
0: Yeah, I'm just Christiane Squires on Instagram. That's the primary place I show up this year. I've just come back onto Facebook and am just kind of making my way, trying to relearn the culture there because I went away from it for like three years. But I have a page there called Christiane Squires Writer. And so, yeah, those are the two places you can find me depending on which one is best. And my website is acontemplativelight.com, which is where you can learn more about The Lighthouse.
1: And I think you can subscribe to a newsletter. Somewhere. Yeah, there's
0: Is a newsletter there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Includes a little freebie of four weeks of a weekly exam and ritual that you can take into your life if you want to.
1: Wonderful. And I will put the links to all of these things in the show notes. But thank you so much for coming on. And hopefully we'll get a chance in the future to have a conversation again.
0: Thanks so much, Gretchen. It was really fun talking with you today.
1: I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Christiane as much as I did. I loved how she shared with us her first experience of imaginative prayer and how that has shaped how she has shown up in spiritual spaces ever since. I also appreciated the honesty and vulnerability with which she shared how mental health fits into her relationship with God. Information on how to follow Christiane Squires can be found in the show notes. These conversations are bringing me such light, and I can't wait to share even more of them with you. I think you'll notice that I'm trying to get a variety of perspectives and experiences on this podcast, including both Catholic and non-Catholic, Ignatian and other forms of spiritual practice as well. If you think you or someone you know has a story to share on this podcast, please email me at lovedasyouarepod at gmail.com. And if you like this podcast, subscribe and leave a review. I'd love to have your feedback and be able to continue to move this podcast in a direction that is valuable for you. You can also follow everything related to this podcast at Loved As You Are Pod on Instagram and at GretchenCrowder.com slash loved as you are podcast. Links to both are in the show notes. Thank you for joining me today. And until next time, remember to be who you are because that's exactly who God wants you to be.